This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 1115 of Horse Tip Daily, your almost everyday morsel of helpful hints, useful facts, and practical techniques for horse folks. Brought to you today by Kentucky Performance Products. Greetings, horse people. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today, Dressage Radio Show co-hosts Reese Kofler-Stanfield and Philip Parks are joined by DressageToday.com editor Hillary Moore-Hebert with Hillary's Top 10 Dressage Tips. And we'll get right to it after this from Kentucky Performance Products. He was her first love, the one that started it all. He taught her how to master the posting trot and navigate her first hunter course. They spent hours together exploring the trails and hanging out in the barn. His name was doodled on every page in her school notebook. His coat gleamed in the sun as he met her at the gate each day, snuffling for a treat. From the first time she saw him poking his head out of the stall to the last time she patted him goodbye, he was, and always will be, her everything. This love story is brought to you by Nalox Advanced, providing complete support for a healthy digestive tract, which reduces the risk of colic and digestive upset. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Okay, guys, so in honor of David Letterman retirement, Hillary Moore Hebert from the contributing editor of Dressage Today is here with her top 10 tips. The canter is an asymmetrical gait because the horse always has a leading leg and flexion on the same side. As a result, canter work is another situation in which there's always an inside that naturally carries more weight and an outside that needs to be engaged in order to balance the horse. Yeah. What's the next? Number nine. Okay. So number nine, the trot, however, and by the way, these are from the um, Half Halt Simplified with Huberta Schmidt, one of the articles that we have um, in the magazine. Um, So the trot, however, is a symmetrical gait so that when your horse is trotting on a straight line, you want both hind legs to push the same. And when you want to collect, you want both hind legs to carry the same weight. Great tips to think about how your horse moves and, and, and how to improve that. Then my number eight, and, th- and I'm getting to a point here, and you'll see why I think these are so important. So number eight, on a bent line, when the horse's inside leg naturally carries more weight, um, the horse is correctly on the outside rein because his inside hind leg can swing up and underneath. We want them to step up and underneath so that their body stays upright through any bending line. Sometimes I think you have to get a little further down the journey to understand why it's so important to do that. But it's a huge deal if the horse is leaning and falling in or, and not carrying their weight. So uh, that's a great tip. And I think every, everybody really has to watch that on all your horses. I love this point. I think this should be number one, maybe. We'll see. We'll see what. We'll see what's, see, what's next. Yes, no pressure. Yeah. Okay, so I am about to blow your mind because this <laughs> next one I think is even more important. <laughs> so, um, tip number seven. Okay, half halts, and this is where you know sort of the heart of the article is. When I half halt, do I do it with my? Am I doing 
um, both frames, meaning, you know, the right side or the left side, or just one, um, and meaning just the outside. And this is where I think the way that he puts it in this article is very helpful. It relates to the three points that I talked about before. A right half fault affects the right hind by adding weight to it, and the same is true on the left. It's important to realize that because it explains why on figures and movements with bends, one does the half halt on the outside rein. When you're in the canter, because it's an asymmetrical gait, even if on a straight line, you do it with the outside rein. However, the trot being symmetrical, when you do a half halt, you want to have both hind legs carry, so you're going to half halt symmetrically. And I think that that is really important to think about because it's going to help you think about how does the biomechanics of the way my horse is traveling right now influence what I need to do that I feel that he's on the forehand or he's unbalanced or whatever. How do I half halt to get him balanced? You have to first know what is happening with the weight-bearing legs and what they're doing and how you need to half halt before you can get the correct correction. I'm with you. That may that may be better than the other one. Okay, so tip number six, I wanted to kind of go in a different direction so that we're not just talking about uh, horse biomechanics, is um, to answer the question, how do I keep my dressage students encouraged? Uh, Jennifer Roth did this as, um, you know, a Q&A for Ask the Experts. But I really liked the, the following that she says. And this is for students and instructors. It's three questions that you always want to ask yourself going into a ride. Um, What have you been working on already? How has that work been going? And what are your goals for this ride based on a logical progression of the first two answers? And I think verbalizing that tentative outline of, what have you been working on? How is it going? And how am I going to, you know, progress from there is really important before you go into every ride and also important to discuss with your trainer because it's going to get you the most out of that time. No, I think that that's really good. I think every time you get on the horse, you always have to have some sort of plan. What's next, Hillary? Okay, so of course I had to have Suzanne Von Dietz on um, from her clinic, and um, this one is from a critique. She talks about creating an open back line. Um, There's two ways to approach this, and one of them I've heard her say that I think is a really straightforward way is always ask yourself as you're riding and look at a video to see, you know, if this is a common problem. Think about keeping your ears over your shoulders. Um, For a clearer exercise to be solving this problem, she says to imagine a diagonal line running from your chin up to the back of your head and stretching your neck without negative tension. And with a more open neck, it will be easier to straighten in the shoulder area too. And to feel the connection, put one hand on the back of your neck and bend your head forward and downward to feel the vertebra of the neck stick out. And there's a big one at the bottom, which is the lowest neck vertebra. Now lift your chin up so you can feel that this vertebra stays in place while the one above slides forward away from your fingers. And now repeat that while trying to make contact so that it slides back. That's what you want to feel like you're doing. You want to align your upper back so that you don't get that tension. 
you know, that kind of rolled shoulder look that you'll see in a lot of photos from the side of riders. You want to get everything straightened out so that it's just stacked on top of each other. So her other solution to this is sort of a whole tip and of itself. So I'm separating it um, and it's tip number four. Another way to fix this that I think speaks to so many other things is imagine that the, and I love the way she says this, the rocking point of your horse is behind the saddle. So is I'm that, saying, I know it's kind of like a Say, say that thing, again. Yes, yeah, say that again. The ro- imagine that the rocking point of your horse is behind your saddle. So it's located behind your saddle. So here's a way that I kind of think of this is that your horse, that instead of what you were saying before, Reese, of feeling like you want to go faster, so you're almost kind of like putting your head forward, mm-hmm. think about behind the saddle and that you're on almost, you know, a feeling of when she says the rocking point of your horse as you canter, for example, that what's happening is you are, you're rotating and everything, all the movement and everything is coming from behind. So that instead of feeling like, Maybe you're cantering and it's that your horse is bounding forward with the front legs. Think more about them sitting behind. And then that kind of, as I think of that, I kind of imagine, you know, the back part of my back, what's behind me. It's having awareness of what's behind you. You start to kind of, I find myself bringing my head back, thinking about keeping myself, you know, nice and upright in my body. And you start thinking about, you know, when she says the rocking point, you know, the activity and also the place that everything is moving up and down is coming from behind instead. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. That's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. All right. How about our next one? Okay. So this next one seems like it's very specific, but I think again, it's an exercise that is very, um, it involves a lot of different things and it's from um, upper body conditioning for the dressage rider with Helen Fletcher. Uh, it's an unmounted exercise called the dumb waiter. And I often will talk about this in a different way because the exercise is very similar to um, you. You're going to stand with your feet, hip bone width apart with even pressure on both feet from the base to um, your toe to your heel. Um, and then you're going to, again, gently lengthen the crown of your head, just like how Suzanne just told you, um, activate your core muscles as we always do. Um, and then you're going to bend your knees at a slight right angle so that it mimics riding. But this is where I think that this is a thing that professionals, I think, take for granted sometimes is you're going to take your elbows and bend them at a right angle. And it should look like your palms are facing upward as if you are holding um, a lunch tray. Uh, And that's why, you know, I think they call it the dumbwaiter. So you want to feel as though you have a lunch tray or, you know, some sort of tray with your hands underneath. Um, And what you want to then do is inhale to prepare. And as you exhale, um, you want to bring your arms outward uh, and keep your elbows in. And then um, you're going to bring them back. But that movement, as you return them back and then come out again and you repeat that, you're not going to squeeze your shoulder blades. It's simply feeling as though you can keep your balance as your hands can come wider and can come in. And I think this is a really important exercise to do because it allows you to feel like with relaxation, you can bring 
your hands in and out. And I notice a lot for my students that this is a very difficult movement. So, for example, if I ask them to take their hands a bit wider in the canter, if they don't have their balance, this is um, really hard for them to do. Uh, you know, they're just not comfortable with that movement. It's more common that when they're unstable, they'll kind of tend to cross their rein over the wither, and it's not natural for them to want to go wide like this. So I really like this exercise. It helps with things like, um, you know, if you ask for counterflexion, it allows your hands to stay wide enough so you're not doing funny things with them. Um, it's a really good way to prepare for all the second-level trot work because, you're comfortable kind of going wider and narrower with your arms, um, you know, as you ask for shoulder in, haunches in, stuff like that. So I think it's really applicable to a lot of different things, um, and it helps you start to feel comfortable with your upper back and posture, um, which tends to get very tight or kind of twisted and stuff as you're moving up the levels. So. I, think it's our, I think it's our yoga move of the week. Yes. We're going to start adding sure. our yoga move of the week. Well, that's good. Yeah. Thanks, Hillary, for that tip. That's awesome. What's the next one? Okay. What's next? So, number two is <laughs> a really, um, really, really interesting uh, blog post from Margaret, Margaret Freeman, um, who's a, a USCF senior dressage judge and FBI competitor um, that has been started the blog for uh, DT. And this, I thought, was really cool. Um, I always have to talk about safety and it's why I have it at the top of the list. Um, she was talking about how she was at a show judging in the Midwest and, um, a younger rider came off of her horse. And when the EMT got to her, um, he, uh, went, you know, and checked her and everything. Um, but once she said she was fine, he actually took her helmet away from her. And then, um, he walked out of the ring, but he, you know, was with her, but he was carrying the helmet. And I thought that was really interesting. I don't know if you guys are um, big football fans or not, if you've noticed that they all do that after that there's um, a possible head injury to an athlete on football teams, um, is that they're not allowed to be put back on the field until they've been inspected for injury. Um, and also the helmet has been inspected to make sure that it's still functional. Um, but I thought this was a really interesting thing because have you guys ever seen that happen before where the EMT has taken the helmet away? No, I don't think so. I, so I'm actually on the USCF safety committee. So one of the things, um, that happens is when your helmet, you can't always tell if your helmet's been damaged or not. I mean, I think it's, it's a replace situation right away. Yes, because it may look okay, like the actual shell, but I have seen helmets that look absolutely perfect, and then they'll cut into them at meetings, and they're completely shot on the inside. Or dented, or or, the styrofoam is broken up. Right, because every one of the helmets has to meet a standard, the ASTM standard, and uh, all this stuff is, is, you can find it online now, uh, so I don't want to be quoted you know, that I say the wrong thing, but you have to be very careful. And I think the fact that the EMT took the helmet is good because it also says that, you know, maybe she's not ready to get back on the horse. And I think that, you know, we're all trained very quickly that we're supposed to get back on the horse. Um, And there are times where, yes, maybe from a rider standpoint, you should get back on the horse, but you really, really, really have to be careful with it. Yes. 
I, Very I, you know, true. I think more and more they're recommending like for confidence. Yeah. You get on a butt for safety. So I'm like, you know, as far as, you know, the litigation and stuff like that, it's actually for students, like don't get back on the horse. Don't right. use that helmet again. Replace that helmet immediately. Right. You know, that's, I mean, that's tough because we know how it is about riding and you want to not spend too much time off the horse and then think about your injury and think about the fall. And But we're learning so much about concussions and how they can have effects you know, later on. Like you can feel okay and then be terrible in a few hours. I don't know. This is going to be a tough thing because... Um, yeah, you know, definitely when we were kids and, and in past generations, you just, I mean, it's a saying, isn't it, right? You jump back on that horse, but I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking less and less that, that that's that's the thing to do. Are we? I think we're ready. I think that's enough on that. Maybe we yeah, go are on we ready to for number, uh, one? Our, our number one. Are we ready for that? Yes. So it's a still safety one. Sorry to be such a Debbie Downer with these, but it's really important to me. Um, I would encourage everyone to take a first aid course. Well, I think your tip that everybody needs to take a first aid class, I think yeah, that I is... I think that's number one tip. That's yeah, the number sure. one tip because... Because okay, that's what they teach you. Yep. If somebody's down, them. leave them down. Don't move yep. them. And let Don't the experts, let the experts who trained in it, you know, take care of the safety aspect. You know, if it's at a show, I know we're involved in, in schooling shows and these sort of things. You know, everybody's ride times will have to go back an hour or whatever. That doesn't matter, you know, and be calm and let the experts do what they know how to do, right? And being the Red Cross volunteer, I have to say, get your CPR training. If you haven't had it in 20 years, it's changed. Well, there you have it. You can find links to today's guests as well as lots more tips at horsetipdaily.com. And you can have all of your favorite Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go. Just download the free Horse Radio Network app at your app store. Search Horse Radio Network. This podcast was made possible through the generous support of Kentucky Performance Products and listeners like you. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.